Hello and welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. Today my guest is Anne Nealon of Community Rights of Lane County. Welcome. Thanks so much, Rob. Appreciate being here. Tell me just a little bit about what Community Rights uh, is and, and what they're focused on right now. So Community Rights Lane County is an educational nonprofit. Uh, we are a group that is focused on in informing our community about our efforts to build the community rights movement, which means that we're looking to um, build the democratic power of the people to write and pass laws to protect their health, safety, and welfare, and to do that in a way uh, that also limits the rights of corporations and government to tell us we can't. Uh Um, In preparing for this, you sent me a video, um, and Thomas Lindsay uh, was talking about sort of the Constitution and how it was slanted towards towards commerce and property owners and and that we in some ways it's um, understandable that a corporate state could flourish under our Constitution um, what yeah what are the limits to to corporate power I guess that's what you're sort of pushing against yeah exactly and I think uh, looking to the Constitution is a good place to start we in this country uh, kind of revere the Constitution uh, where I think mostly we think about the virtues of the Bill of Rights, but the bulk of the Constitution came about uh, by James Madison and his ilk in an effort to basically legalize English common law in this country, and that is the the law of colonialization. So um, the history of it uh, is is a story that's worth knowing because it represents um, the conflict that sort of resulted from the pow- what the states sought to be a more decentralized form of government when they uh, wrote and passed the Articles of Confederation. Um, but when the Constitutional Convention resulted in the year, subsequent years, uh, those federal-minded folk who locked themselves up in the rooms to write the, uh, in the Constitutional Convention uh, behind closed doors, they had a very different agenda, and they sought to, to centralize the powers, in, in, and, and they did so. And as I said, it basically imported uh, the law of colonialization, which, uh, if we think about it, is really about commerce, uh, extraction, and profit. So Mm -hmm. uh, when you start from there, you don't go anywhere particularly good. Um, And so, yeah, it was was, uh, a perfect seed for the the system that we find ourselves in today uh, that is a system that recognizes rights and powers and privileges of corporations and government uh, at the direct expense uh, of the people. Yeah, for the people, by the people. And now the term for the good of the people has been kind of thrown around a lot. Like, our, our, how, do we, how do we keep even our politicians and corporations um, to things that are not only benefit them, but benefit the greater good? Uh, it's not so easy, is it? No, I don't think it's easy at all, but I think where it starts is where community rights starts. It starts with a broader understanding that we live in a system of law and a structure of government that does not allow we, the people, to protect ourselves. And so we have to fundamentally understand that that's what we're working against. And so in that context, the place to start is to recognize our right uh, and codify that right into law of the people to write and pass laws to to recognize our own rights and to protect our own ourselves from our health, safety, and welfare. Um, because the system that we are butting up against uh, and the interests that are being served by that system are moneyed, powerful, and have done a fine job of creating a system that works for them. 
supposedly a representative uh, form of government where we can vote these people out, but that hasn't always worked out. And now with money, interests, we know the Citizens United is a was a major decision against representative government, really. Yes, and I think what what that is is represent what it indicates, what it evidences is the fact that we the people are now brought into playing on a playing field that it has been crafted to undermine us at every turn and to work against us at every turn. And so that's why we have to understand the confines of that that playing field and refuse to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise we find ourselves as what is conventional activism. We beg our legislators to help us. We beg them to write laws to protect us. We file lawsuits that, that have very little authority to do significant change. Uh, we tr- beg and sh- plead at the regulatory agencies to help us to write limitations. All of those avenues ha- have been co-opted. You know, we, we don't get to tell regulators to protect us because corporations and industry tells regulators how they will choose to protect us. And they write and pass, I mean, not pass, they write the laws. If you talk to almost virtually any regulator from an agency, um, they tell you the same thing. It, the people in the regulatory agencies are, I think, by and large, good people who want to do good work, but they can't because at the top levels, corporations come in, they have the regulations already written, and that that's what becomes the law. So... Um, that's the regulatory system. The, the, as we know, the legislator system is uh, equally co-opted. We have, when you talk about Citizens United, we know there's massive amounts of money that are pouring into our uh, legislatures. There's uh, um, you know, organizations like ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council, um, who writes and hands off pre-written laws for the legislatures to adopt to achieve corporate um, purpose and interest. So it's a hard place to play. So in that context, tell me just a little bit about your own personal journey and and how you came to this kind of work and um, how, yeah, since it is difficult to affect change under this system, what are, yeah, what are some of the things that, that you're able to do um, to push the the meter a little bit towards we the people? I mean, I think I come to the work the same way most community rights activists come to work, is that I spent uh, decades in the playing field created by corporations and government begging my legislators and pleading the regulatory agencies to help us and working principally uh, against pesticides, but also with other social justice issues. And so when I learned about community rights and the understanding of the system in which we find ourselves, it was like a massive light bulb, like, oh, that's why we don't get anything done. That's why we don't get to ban what we want to ban. That's why we don't get the protections. That's why our system doesn't recognize rights to clean air and clean water, which seem wildly fundamental and probably elementary to pretty much everyone except the system in which we live. So um, that that's what brought me there. It just seemed like, of course, that's where you have to go. It's a systemic problem. It's not a, you know, a local be a better activist, bring more signs, attend more hearings problem. It's a, it's a fundamental democracy problem. So the way, from the community rights angle, the way you approach that is you Uh, engage what we recognize as our fundamental and inherent right of local community self-government. That means if you look back in history, 
before you get down the, the U.S. constitutional road, you find that we are uh, fundamentally based on a system where we, the people, are the sovereign authority of this country. Um, you find very clear evidence of this when you look to state constitutions. For example, the Oregon Constitution, if you look to Section 1, Article 1, uh, you find that all power is inherent in the people, and the people have the right at all times to abolish or reform the government. So it's these are you say that out loud and people think whoa you're a little bit nutty and it's like well look at the Oregon Constitution it's there and I believe in every other constitution it's just that those have been um, disempowered and scooted to the side as if it was an aberration that that appears as the first article of our entire state constitution um, so so because that hasn't been codified as a right, but we believe it to be, and we can evidence the fact that it is an inherent right that was recognized in this country, we proceed to act under that authority and try to uh, write and pass laws that protect us in the way that we seek to be protected by recognizing rights. Uh, and then uh, you take on the challenges that may or may not come from that, where corporations roll out their rights, roll out their protections, and say, our rights are bigger than your rights, and you shine a light on a system exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. Is there some, something in our Constitution that could be amended to make give us more of a democracy? I mean, do you have other ideas that come out of these these movements that, that say, well, maybe we should consider this on a national level. Yeah, I mean, that's our end game, is constitutional change uh, at the federal level, that you would that we would recognize a right of local community self-government, which is utterly consistent with what is the foundation of this country. But, you know, we have no power at the federal level, maybe less so than ever, if you look at all the deregulation and stuff yeah. that's happening. Uh, and we really don't have a lot of power at the state level. I mean, we have a Democratic legislature in Oregon that in 2013 passed a preemptive law that tells our local communities you can't do anything about GMOs. They passed all of the laws uh, in Oregon that say local communities can't do anything about aerial spraying. So they've, they've been taken by the and that's Monsanto, that's Syngenta, that's, these are massive international corporations that sprinkle some change on them and they take their laws wholesale so that's what we face at the state so we're, we're left down here at the local level where we have some power where we can talk face to face with the people and say this isn't working for you it's not working for me let's do something about and, it and in Oregon we have the initiative process which yes. is what you've been involved, involved in somewhat or community rights is use that as your avenue Yes, absolutely, and it's it is a very powerful avenue, uh, but because it's a powerful, it also is constantly <laughs> the uh, object of being uh, clamped down on. And the more that we in the community rights movement have acted to engage it, the more uh, the po the powers that be come out to stop it. And that's why we're in court in Lane County for I would say the fourth, fifth, maybe sixth time. Uh, you you look back at you know most lawmaking efforts that aren't as controversial as banning the aerial spray of herbicides. That's not the pushback they face. But we're taking on the timber industry, which is Weyerhaeuser, that's a Wall Street you know firm uh, company, and so you get this pushback that puts you through the ringer. So the the initiative system is not a pass a law free card. Right. It's, it's a it's an uphill slog and it's getting steeper. Um. And I know there's several ongoing. There's an ongoing case right now that 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 uh, will tell when when your current initiative is going to be on the ballot, 
or if? Yes, if and when. Um, so this is the so right now in community rights we have two proposed charter amendments where you've been advancing towards the ballot. Charter amendment means to the state uh, to the Lane County Charter. A Lane County Charter. Mm-hmm. And so w- these are two charter amendments that stand separately, but were designed to be a single. Uh, piece of legislation. And the story of why they're separate relates very much to the pushback that you get from from government and from the opposition to tell you that you can't use it the way you want to, the system the way you want to. So we have these two initiatives. One uh, recognizes the rights to clean air and clean water, to be free from chemical trespass, um, and uh, bans then the aerial spray of herbicides by either corporations or the government. Um, it all, and that, that is a freestanding uh, initiative. The second uh, proposed charter amendment would recognize the right of local community self-government, which is essentially the people's authority to recognize a law like the aerial spray ban that recognizes rights and curtails corporate rights and powers in order to accomplish that. So those two initiatives have been moving forward for over two years. Um, they. Uh, each required a little bit over 11, I think about 11,500 some signatures to qualify for the ballot. Um, the aerial spray ban was qualified first. Um, and in the, I should say, back up a minute, but beca- before they were qualified, the um, Let, count- Actually, can we, I'm going to interrupt you yes. much. You can collect your thoughts because okay. we're kind of up against the break right now. Okay. So we're going to come back and talk about some more of the specifics of these initiatives okay. and, and where they're going. Uh, and a little bit more. I'm talking with Ann Nealon of Community Rights of Lane County. My name's Rob Tobias. This is Train of Thought. Train of Thought is produced here at Maximo Productions in Eugene. You can get in touch at rob at robtobias.com. Welcome back to Train of Thought. My name's Rob Tobias. Ann Nealon of Community Rights of Lane County is here talking. We're talking about the current initiative about aerial spraying and some of the pushback you've been getting from the timber industry. Uh, what are what are the issues? Obviously, they, they want to spray and keep certain things under control, and we know there's some danger in that. Yeah, so, you know, they are interested in profits and they have uh, elected a strategy to what I guess from their perspective maximize profits, although I think that's um, a subject of some contention anyway, but nevertheless they are, that's that's their chosen uh, way and they've successfully um, convinced the legislature to legalize what they do and to protect their right to do it. So it's an uphill battle when you have to say, but wait a minute, we are the people and we believe we have rights to clean air, clean water, uh, free from chemical trespass, and we come up against uh, laws that tell the chemical industry they can keep poisoning our environment. So there are actual laws that support what they do that they've helped probably help pass. Correct. Uh Uh, And what does your initiative say? So our initiative, the there are two again the the one that would ban the aerial spraying um, is rooted and authorized by our right of local self-government and so it recognizes rights it recognizes our uh, our right to be free from chemical trespass it recognizes people's right to clean air clean water and clean soil free from chemical trespass and then to secure those rights it bans the aerial spray of herbicides in Lane County by either corporations or the government 
um, and then gives a right of action to enforce that law. And then there's a term called rights of nature. Has that actually been tested in, in courts? I mean, it's an interesting concept. I mean, does a river, does land ha- have rights, you know, to be, to be clean? Um, well, it needs to. Yeah. Um, we don't have rights of nature going on in, in the work in Lane County right now, but it is um, in the ordinance that was adopted last year uh, in May by the Lincoln County electorate. And so they have an ordinance that's currently in effect, but it's been challenged also. So we're waiting for another judge's decision there that would recognize the rights of nature in Lincoln County. And so that creates um, rights of natural communities and ecosystems to exist, persist, and flourish. Um, it, fl- of course, it flies in the face of the property and commerce uh, provisions of our U.S. Constitution that consider nature to be property. Mm-hmm. And so nature, very much like women and African Americans not that long ago, is considered property that corporations and government can do what, what it will with and extract and pollute without uh, much recourse. Um, and that, of course, we find ourselves, we, we know that on one hand, and then on the other hand, we also know we are facing uh, extinction thanks to all of our activities and the advent of climate change. So we say, how do you, you know, remedy these two things? And I think rights of nature is one of the most powerful ways to do that. It's to say that you, we can't go on living as we live on this planet um, and consider nature to be property that we can extract, uh, pollute, and poison and not think that there's consequences. And we're seeing those consequences. So uh, nature does need to be a rights-bearing entity, and we need to um, be restrained from what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And pushback from people. Uh, that, oh, that's another concept I wanted to ask you about is this term box of allowable activism we've seen mass movements like you you mentioned you know civil rights and and the women's movement and all kinds of things that where people actually got in the streets and said we need change you know this we've got laws that are just not right we gotta we gotta make some change uh we've seen some of that coming on um of late um but uh what yeah what can people do i guess they can with social media and and protests, it's something. It puts some pressure. Um, yeah, but I don't think it puts pressure in the right places. And and when you think about uh, the, the movement against um, segregation and slavery and um, abolition and um, uh, women's rights and right to vote, those were movements that refused to comply with unjust laws. They were movements of civil disobedience, and they rejected a system of law that Uh, recognized African Americans as property. It rejected a a system of law that said women can't vote. Um, And it it challenged those things to the point that the system itself had to shift to accommodate rights-bearing entities that it didn't see before. So now you said unjust laws. So to apply that to the environment, are there laws? I mean, are you looking at specific laws that say, no, this this is wrong in terms of uh, allowing things to be polluted and allowing carb, you know, carbon emissions. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest laws that's problematic is uh, the recognition of corporate constitutional rights. So we love our Bill of Rights, but at the same time, we have a body of law that has given corporations those many of those same rights. So now we have uh, the Bill of Rights that was uh, 
as we were very happily say created to prevent the government from overreaching into individual people's lives and we say and we've come developed a system that says okay well corporations you're a, per, a person too so you can't be oh, the government can't overreach into your rights either mm-hmm. and so now that's where you get citizens united rights to free speech money is speech and suddenly you can't do anything um, to limit corporations um, and that plays out in the same when you look at this how the commerce clause plays out or how our constitution protects property rights and also uh, you know we have a again in the bill of rights we have a uh, right to just compensation as a person if the government takes your property you are entitled to be compensated well you give that right to a corporation and now when a corporate when when the government wants to restrict the use of a corporation in some way that the corporation says oh well you have unjustly taken our property now the government has to pay us what we are being lost Mm -hmm. in the same way that the government would have to pay an individual if they say took their property to put a highway on and you have a whole different set of problems now you have a government that can't do anything without facing million dollar lawsuits maybe even billion dollar lawsuits saying oh you're going to tell us corporation we can't do that fine well then you owe us all the lost profits that we would have made if we had been able to so you paralyze the government and that's where the government is in many respects Mm -hmm. when it comes to passing any laws that in any way curtail corporate activities yeah when you say they're people they have all this whole set of rights that that puts them in a, in a category that's that doesn't seem and so that's one yeah. box of the box of allowable activism is this this limitation of okay well you can do anything that doesn't offend a corporate constitutional right another wall of that box is preemption so now we also have a judicial system that has developed to to create um, a, a legal doctrine just from whole cloth it's not from you know handed down, bestowed upon us from some uh, inherent source. It's, it's, it's judicial doctrine created by lawyers or government officials to say that uh, state governments can pass laws that disallow local communities from writing laws on any particular topic that they designate. So this is wildly undemocratic, yeah. right? So, and this is, this is everywhere. It's so again, when you look at aerial spraying, the Oregon State Legislature has adopted several laws. It's not even a single law. It's num- numbers of laws that say local communities, local jurisdictions have zero power to write any law that pertains to herbicides or pesticides. Wow. So, that, you know, we should be up in arms. Yeah. We, we, but people, it, it happens. It, it's, it, in just, I think I said in 2013, the Oregon Legislature passed a law at the behest of Monsanto and the local Uh, Oregon State Lobby, Oregonians for Food and Shelter, that said, oh, please pass a law that prevents local communities from writing any law about seeds or seed products because they were protecting the GMO industrial activities. And so the legislature did that. A little flurry of about $150,000 went around the legislatures, and lo and behold, you have another preemptive law to play with. So that's what corporations do, and they obviously sometimes it's they pay off, or you know, there's money involved, and they get these laws, but then what we the people can do i mean i'm sure you've gotten enough signatures on these initiatives to get them considered so what's this law what are the factor you know that's so that's the pushback and we have this initiative that supposedly enough people and get it on the ballot and we can vote and it can counter those laws can't it well that's part of the problem is we can't seem to get them on the ballot and uh, you know i pro- it's probably not that much of a mystery about why it's like the same powers that 
put those laws, the preemptive laws and other laws in the place in the first place, are not very excited about us voting on whether or not we want aerial spraying. So they take, they redirect their pushback to the local level, and that's what we have encountered. We've been in court. What have been the arguments? I know a judge is considering right now. Can you tell me? Yeah, I mean, they're very complicated arguments around election law and what can you put on the ballot. And so. Uh, again, it's it's how our system has been co-opted to make it harder and harder for the people to do anything. So there are multiple uh, pre-election requirements that are imposed on initiatives before you can even put them on the ballot. And so the corporations, or in this case the representatives of the timber industri- in- industry interests, come forward and say, oh, this doesn't meet that requirement, oh, this doesn't meet that requirement, and you get, you're caught in court to mm. fight about, yeah, it does, yeah, it does, we've collected signatures, let us on the ballot. And, you know, years and lots of money goes yeah. down the toilet in the meantime. You have a prediction on the, on what this decision is? There's one, it's going to come down soon, quote. Yes, yeah, soon. That is that is the expectation. Yeah, I think, well, I think we're right. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fight about a particular uh, pre-election requirement that uh, we say is, has been misunderstood and wrongly imposed. And so we think we're correct. And we are expecting the judge to, to, to find that as well. Well, the, the video that you sent me ended with this uh, quote that rebellion is the first act of creation. Um, I, I think he's talking about just, you know, the sense of activism or that we have to do something. Um, so it sounds like community rights of Lane County are, are doing a little bit of rebelling against, against the current system. Um, anything else you'd want to add to that? Or? Yeah, I would just say if we don't wake up and rebel, we're stuck in a status quo that does not serve us. So we have an obligation to do something uh, to, to challenge the existing system and to b- demand rights that to save uh, us, our communities, and our environment. What can people do? If, if people are listening and they know about this issue, is there anything yeah, for the community to do? Yeah, I mean, on the ground, uh, enjoy Community Rights Lane County. We meet monthly at the uh, First United Methodist Church on uh, 13th and Olive from 6 to 8 o'clock on the third Monday of the month. Uh, we have websites, communityrightslanecounty.com, oh, .org, I should say. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and uh, we encourage people to look for our initiatives and to also watch for what our Lane County Commission is doing to stop them as well. They, they're, uh, by majority, uh, friends of the timber industry, and they work pretty hard to undermine our work and our rights to the initiative system, and that's stuff all of our Lane County residents need to be paying attention to. So your meetings are open, and you basically discuss what's what's up at that particular time. Yeah, so they're they're public meetings. We welcome everybody. Uh, we talk about what's happening with the initiatives because that's the work before us at this time, and we also talk more broadly about what the community rights movement is, and uh, keep educating ourselves on why we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. Obviously, it's it's a hard fight. Uh, we're but uh, I think it's the right thing. Yeah. Obviously, uh, the the pendulum has swung hard towards the big stakeholders, you might say. Yep, and we take our inspiration from the abolitionists and suffragists who did stand for just law, and they did so over decades of activism, so it's a long road ahead. Thank you. Been talking with Ann Nealon of Community Rights Lane County. My name's Rob Tobias. This is Train of Thought. Thank you for listening.
Train of Thought is produced at the studios of Maximo Productions in Eugene. I welcome your feedback at rob at robtobias.com.